What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, JJ Jerez. With me, of course, Arif Dean and Patrick Stedman, the man behind the magic. Let's just get right into it. I mean, a lot has changed since the last time we spoke. I mean, we are almost doing a complete 180 on uh, how we're feeling right now, aren't we? Yeah, I got to say, before we start, I'm I'm really starting to get uh, excited to see the different ways you introduce Patrick Stedman. He's the man behind the magic. He's the uh, the ones and twos. He's in the producer chair. I'm excited to see what's next. Stay tuned for the next episode to see where JJ goes. Uh, that's a lot of pressure because I just do those off the cuff, Arif. Yeah, that's, that's me trying to brighten the mood after two shit show avalanche games. So uh, my opinion on those is, yeah, they, they were bad. Um, losing two games on the road after winning two games on home is fine. It happens often. Nashville did it to Carolina. Uh, we see a lot of series go 2-0 and then 2-2. But the way in which Vegas won those last two games really does make it a little bit more difficult to feel confident if you're the avalanche or an avalanche fan. But at the same time, uh, I'm going to contradict myself and just say that in the end, every game is its own game. And like we saw in 2014, and I hate to use that as an example because the Avs lost in game seven. As we saw in 2014, after the Avs went up 2 nothing, and then Minnesota sucked the life out of them in games three and four, they came back home for game five and remembered how to play hockey. And they did the same thing in game seven. They were just a goal short. So they were bad. They were bad games. 100%. I mean, and you look at the whole series and you dissect it a little further and that's where it really gets alarming. Like you said, just simply losing two games on the road isn't exactly freaking us out. It's the way they lost them, right? And not only that, you go all the way back to game two and the Avalanche really kind of stole that one. Game one was a gift from the schedule makers. Game two was a gift from Philip Grubauer. And now it just seems like they're left with their hands up with no answer. So Arif, let's start with this. Why shouldn't I be freaking out. Why shouldn't me and the rest of Avalanche land out there think that the sky is falling? The season might be close to over. This might be the re- last regular season podcast we do, and the Knights might win in six. Why shouldn't we feel that way? Talk us off the ledge here. Because the Golden Knights haven't beaten the Avalanche at Ball Arena in this series, and even though they got close in Game 2, they didn't do it. Just the same way the Avalanche got close to winning at T-Mobile Arena in Game 3 and also didn't do it. A lot of people keep saying this thing where it's the series doesn't begin until somebody wins on the road. That's not true. I I don't know why people keep saying that because the Golden Knights need to win a game at Ball Arena to win the series. The Avalanche do not need to win a game at T-Mobile Arena to win the series. And that's the reality of it. The Avalanche are about to come back home where they are 20-0-1 their last 21. Yes, the last of those 20 wins was a highway robbery of a game by Philip Grubauer. Um, But again, I I can use the same example. Game three at T-Mobile Arena was nearly won by the Avalanche, but Golden Knights scored two goals in 45 seconds with five minutes left. So the Avs almost gave one up. The Golden Knights almost gave one up. But going back home where you have last change and uh, Pete DeBoer just spent two two games pretty much uh, overwhelming the Avalanche's top line. And let's face it, every line, but mostly the top line with the matchups. The ball's back in Bednar's court. It's game five, it's ball arena, bring the noise, bring the heat, get a win and go back to Vegas with two chances to win the series. A little bit, the top line. I mean, everybody's a little bit frustrated with their production, not really seeing much. You're not even seeing Landy get any shots on goal here, as we've seen pointed out left and right. So is it just simply that last change that is causing 
the the frustration for Colorado, or what exactly is Pete DeBoer and the Vegas Knights doing here to stop and halt everything that the uh, top line's been doing up till now? They're playing at a pace I haven't seen the Avalanche play at all season, which is kind of crazy because the Avalanche have the uh, have the resources to play at that pace and better. But the Golden Knights have just done an excellent job of. I mean, they can't possibly keep up this pace for three more games, can they? Like it's they're 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 gonna burn themselves out. They just went through a seven game series against Minnesota, and they've had to go go go. Like, have you spent any of these last couple days or last couple games switching over from the Montreal Winnipeg game to the Colorado Vegas game? Oh man, I mean, I watched almost game two in its entirety, and that was what I like to call a nap game, right? I mean, Winnipeg couldn't even do anything if they tried. It looked worse than what Colorado's incapable of doing against Vegas. Yeah, like it's literally you're 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 watching a high school football game, and then you're watching the NFL. You're watching me run, and then you're watching an <laughs> actual runner run and 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 break records like Usain Bolt. Like it's it's a complete different game, is what it seems like. The Avalanche have the resources to keep up with that kind of a pace. They they have the ability to do it. Uh, what Vegas has done is they found a way to beat the Avalanche. They implemented implemented it like hell. And Pete DeBoer's a great coach. No matter how much we want to trash talk him for just, he has an ugly face, just an ugly guy. But he's such a great coach. But uh, coming back to Ball Arena, you're the Avalanche. You know that you have home ice advantage. You have last change. And what Vegas has done more than ever in implementing that style of play is they found a way to suck the life out of the Avalanche mentally. It's in their head now, too, that we can't do anything. Every zone entry they're going into, they're going into it with uh, kind of they're clenched tight. They're worried. They're scared. They're going to give up the puck. Makar can't enter the zone cleanly. He probably had his worst NHL game of his career during game four. Nathan McKinnon can't get a zone entry. They're going offside on the power play. They're just doing all these weird things because Vegas is in their head and it's between the ears now. And you need to come out at Ball Arena, feed off of that crowd, feed off of Alan Roach's voice and not the guy that screams, Scott! for whatever the hell that dude does whenever Vegas scores and just feed off that energy and go from there. Yeah, I mean, it's the biggest issue I think we're seeing that the Vegas Knights are doing to the Avalanche are just somehow halting their neutral zone, I guess, just their progress through the neutral zone, right? I mean, they're not even getting to the red line before they feel forced to dump it in and then they dump it in and it's immediately turned over. So I guess massive credit to what they're doing to Colorado in the neutral zone because it's suffocating them and it's impossible for them to really get anything through. So again, Pete DeBoer kind of, uh, and this is something you mentioned before the series even started are we going to see Pete DeBoer out coach Jared Bednar again and that's kind of what it feels like right you're seeing Jared Bednar in the post-game pressers and after game three really you know throwing rocks at the top line and the top guys and at the effort of the team game four he's sitting there saying no I like the effort we just lost and and he tried to say that he liked what was going on but then he had to backpedal and say well I didn't like the score well yeah no no shit you didn't like the score it was a blowout um so the fact that he's now saying yeah the effort was there now we just we just got beat flat out I think that's the most worrisome part of it right now so it is worrisome to kind of hear those and somebody kind of tweeted me today that uh I I had a quote from Bednar and I I kind of took two different parts of his quote it wasn't the same uh, it wasn't the same quote all at once, but it basically said something along the lines of our work ethic was fine. And then later on, he said, I'm a little bit more concerned with the races to the puck. 
So this guy re- responded to me. He's like, that's a contradictory statement. Like, how could you be okay with the work ethic, but you're losing all the race battles? Isn't it your work ethic that's going to get you to win those races if you're the avalanche and you're the faster team and you know that you, you guys are an EA Sports team with speed 99 and Vegas is probably a little bit less than that, but you are the better team. So it is a little bit contradictory, but at the same time, and it is worrisome, but at the same time, what made me feel a little bit more at ease was Bedner's comments today, today being Monday. And if you weren't part of that Zoom call, he took about 15 minutes worth of questions. And uh, he mentioned something along the lines of what I liked in game four that we did better. He's like, I'm not going to you know, give out the game plan. But he said something along the lines of our forwards were doing a good job of helping our, helping our defensemen, helping defensively. And he wouldn't go into detail about what he meant exactly. But he said there's something we were doing that was better. And then later on in the presser, again, it was a 15 minute presser. It was pretty long. And later on, he said it again. He said, yeah, and the forwards are doing their part to kind of help out and it's getting better and it's getting better. And it kind of feels like the Avalanche are game three. They come like game two. They started to unravel game three. They completely unraveled game four. It started off brutally and then they started to pick up whatever these little things are. That's marathon, not a sprint little things, those checkpoints that they were doing properly and they're starting to get it all back together. And then the game five, they're going to go out and implement it. And whatever that is says to me that Bednar kind of knows his comments after game three were very much warranted. The avalanche deserved for him to say what he said about them. And the top line deserved that as well. But when the coach comes out and says that, that says to me that the coach is, he's out of ideas. He's unraveling. He was completely beat and the avalanche were completely beat. But the way his tune changed after game four and the way his tune changed today on Monday on an off day was as if to say, we are starting to pick up the slack and I know what we're doing and I figured out what's right. I figured out what's wrong and we're working on it. And that to me sounds a lot better than uh, we were, we had no compete. We uh, are wasting our time breaking down this game. Check the numbers on our top guys and their top guys. Uh, Philip Grubauer is the only guy working hard. Like it's a it's a far cry from that. My only problem with that, I guess, is that you and I both know, and I heard this from your questions in the presser last night, right? It's not the defensive side of the puck that's the issue right now. It's the offensive. They're not seeming to get any chances. They're not testing Fleury, like you said. Um, in your presser, and I, I think that's the best assessment. I mean, the defensive puck side of the puck is whatever. I can't really complain about it. Sure, Vegas scored a handful of goals, but I mean, I think Grubauer has been plenty to um, back that up. But it, it's the offensive side, right? They're getting doubled in shots. So I guess how how do you fix it from an X's and O standpoint more so than just simply having the last change? How do you get the offensive going a little bit? Because we've saw all season long how this is one of the most dominant offenses against so many teams. You know, they were the ones doubling so many teams in shots and now they're getting doubled. So something's really broken with the offensive side and I don't know how to fix it. I just don't. You know what's sad? The goal that Brandon Saad scored at the beginning of game four, I thought was the kind of thing that would kickstart them. We got a nice greasy goal from a greasy player that scores greasy goals. And uh, we're going to go ahead and take advantage of this and build off of that momentum. But then that wonky play happened where it hit the post and Bed- Bedner, Nemeth, and everybody thought it was a goal. And then Vegas went on to actually score because Grubauer and everybody else reacted to the crowd rather than reacting to the, you know, the light that flashes behind the net when you score a goal or the ref, you know, putting pointing his hand toward the back of the net. That kind of sucked the life out of them. You come in at Ball Arena, what you need to do is score early and feed off that energy. 
you and I saw in game one, uh, what the energy was. And even in the first round, the many games that we've covered together this year, uh, we've seen what the avalanche's energy, uh, the, the way the avalanche feeds off the energy of the home crowd. We've seen what they feed off of from ball arenas fans. And we see that when they score one, they score two, three, four, they score in bunches. The avalanche are 22, four and two at home during the regular season in the, in, uh, uh, at ball arena, the Vegas golden Knights were 21, five and two. So just one loss more at home. And that one loss was the loss they had to the avalanche on May 10th. These are two of the best home teams in the NHL. If the avalanche could do it for two games, and then Vegas could do it for two games, you can do it again in game five. Uh, I really want to get on board with that. But again, I, I have to point back to game two, right? I mean, there was no part of game two except for the first period where the refs handed the avalanche four power plays and they got one from Tyson Jost. There's really nothing about game two that makes The ref you... didn't hand them anything. The avalanche earned. Earned earned the, po- the power plays, earned right? The power sure. plays, especially that last one, that puck over glass. Oof, that's the best penalty <laughs> to call. But yeah, it's just hard for me to confidently say that they've they're going to be able to figure it out for game five just because they're at home. I mean, again, from a system standpoint, it just seems like they're outmatched and they don't have really any answers to get through that neutral zone and create offense. I'm just, I'm worried, Arif. I think, um, I think this might be the end. It's, and it's understandable. And again, let's look back to 2014. The Avalanche won those first two games against Minnesota. They got outshot in games three and four. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they had like 13 or 14 shots in both those games. They were brutal games. And again, that was a PDO bender of a team. That wasn't the avalanche that we're watching now. They still managed to bounce back in game five. So why wouldn't this team be able to bounce back in game five when that game either ended in six or ended in seven and go on, surprise, surprise, to play the Montreal Canadiens who just got an overtime game winning goal from Tyler Toffoli and swept the Winnipeg Jets. I'll tell you Man, why I think that they won't be able to though. <laughs> go off, go for it. We we saw it in the third period and you even heard Jared Bednar refer to it in his post-game presser, right? They had three really great chances there towards the end. I think it was Rantanen, McKinnon, and Nachuskin, right? And all three of them missed the net. And I feel like that's so typical of Nathan McKinnon and that top line. When you need them the most, when they're under pressure, they have a hard time performing. Sure, Nathan McKinnon, you know, when the Avalanche win by five and they knock somebody out 6-1, Nathan McKinnon will have three points. But in a game like yesterday, in a game like game three, it, it seems like, again, and I've pointed this out in the past, when the pressure's on him, he feels it and he, he tries a little bit too hard. And that's when you see him throw pucks six feet over the goalposts. Well, you know what? The pressure's on this entire team. This is this is this core, this team, uh, you know, barring a few guys, have been part of the Avalanche team that lost to the San Jose Sharks in Game 7, lost to the Dallas Stars in Game 7. If you're Nathan McKinnon, if you're Gabe Landeskog, you also lost to the Minnesota Wild in Game 7 in 2014. You've been there. The experience is built until eventually you get over the hump. Alex Ovechkin eventually slayed the Dragon. That was the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Vancouver Canucks eventually slayed the Dragon. That was the Chicago Blackhawks when they had all their series for all those years. Eventually, you got to do it. And this is the time to do it. You are the Avs. You haven't lost the game in uh, Ball Arena since before fans were allowed. I was still wearing a mask at Walmart when the Avalanche lost their last game at Ball Arena, and that was in overtime. And if you want to go even further before that, it was even earlier in the month of March. Coincidentally, it was to the Arizona Coyotes of all teams. But it's been about 100 days since they've lost the game at Ball Arena. They are 20-0-1. And I understand completely. Like, I'm here to talk people off the cliff all the while knowing that 
I'm going to say the same thing I said at the beginning of the episode. It's not the fact that the Avalanche lost two games on the road. That happens often in the NHL. You win the first two at home, you lose the next two on the road. It's the way in which they lost that makes it hard. But if you're this good of a team, you can't possibly get completely shut down like this two more times, especially in your own rink, especially in front of your fans where you are pretty much unbeatable for the last three and a half months. First of all, I'm sorry that you shop at Walmart. That's That's got to be tough. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say King Supers, but I don't know how many of our audience doesn't live in Colorado and knows what the hell King Supers is. Soups, baby. That's my place. Um, but no, I, I guess you're right. You know, And we haven't seen this team lose three games in a row all year, right? So I, I think if they can come out in this next game and, and perform, then yeah, there's a little bit of hope. But everything's riding on this one because uh, I think obviously if they go to Vegas down 3-2, it's, it's likely the end of it. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I think the winner of game five wins it in game six. For whatever reason, I don't feel like it gets back to ball arena. And especially, especially if the Avalanche come out and win a commanding game tomorrow, Tuesday, game five, I think they're going to go into the fortress, as they call it in Vegas, and just put an end to it. And if you're the Avs, that's what you want to do. Because you have game seven demons and Pete DeBoer's 5-0 and in game sevens, finish this damn thing in six. I could see that happening, but it's it's got to be on the guys that you haven't seen much yep. of, right? Like, like I said, McKinnon, Burakovsky, Donskoy. Where's where's Donskoy been? You know, he's been a big part of the scoring all year long, and now it's pretty much just Brandon Saad doing everything by himself. Yeah, and and where where the hell is the 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 results of Nazem Kadri's appeal? That's what I want to know. It is Monday, June seventh, eight fifty seven p.m. Mountain Time, so it's almost eleven p.m. on the East Coast. For whatever reason, we haven't heard yet. And that is a little bit mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I'm sure we'll hear it before game six saying suspension upheld. Or at least lower to seven. Like at this point, any game adding Kadri to the lineup will give you a boost. And I know Kadri wasn't really having the best season, but this dude's been licking his chops. Like he's got chapped lips from how badly he's licking his lips, (laughs) dying to get into this series. Kadri was made for series like this. He wasn't made to play the St. Louis Blues. He was made to play the Vegas Golden Knights in a series like this, where the energy is where where it is and where the hits are where they are and where it's a chess match the way the series has been. Kadri was made for this series. He needs to get back in the lineup. He needs to provide that spark. He needs to get Burakovsky and Donskoy going. I'm not sitting here trying to have somebody be a savior that's, you know, a fourth liner. This is a player that can perform, that we know can perform, that has had a bad couple months with the Avalanche. This is his time to shine. He hopefully needs to get back in the series in game six or in game five. And if not, then it's going to be in game seven if it gets that far. Yeah, we've always talked about how big he can be in the spotlight. So he just needs a spotlight to be in. And uh, you know he's itching. He's just got this has got to be so painful for him to be watching. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know he's he hates that he's he's doing this to himself, especially if the Avalanche lose. This is a missed opportunity for him to be a part of a playoff team that could likely have gone all the way if he wasn't suspended. But the reality is, I mean, I know I just said it's gonna go to six, but if the Avalanche can win this game at Ball Arena, you know going into game six, one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to end the series in Vegas or you're going to come back home and for sure welcome Nazem Kadri back into the lineup. And that is a massive spark. Remember Joe Pavelski jumping in for game seven for the San Jose Sharks a couple years ago, scoring the very first goal, assisted by frickin' Donskoy. That's the kind of thing that you would do. Nazem Kadri would come in, score the first goal, and probably assisted by frickin' Donskoy. <laughs> like it's it's going to be that kind of a, a jolt to the lineup in game seven if it gets that far. 
But if you're the Avalanche, screw it, man. Let's win game five. Let's win game six. And let's welcome, assuming the uh, suspension is upheld, which, by the way, Shyam Das, the uh, neutral arbitrator, has a history of lowering suspensions. Uh, Dennis Weidman, Tom Wilson from 20 to 14. Dennis Weidman, I think from 20 to 16. That one was a long time ago. But Shyam Das has a history of lowering suspensions, and that could go in Kadri's favor. But if it does end up going to game seven, that is a massive jolt. But you just have to win game five. You cannot expect to go into Vegas down three to two, losers of three straight, and come out and, and actually force a game seven. I just don't see that happening. I'm sure game seven would be electric. I got to make sure in any Avs fans that are going to be at game five, make sure to bring it. I know there's a sense of worry right now over your head, but you still got to bring that energy because we've seen how this team feeds off of it. Plus, we haven't seen them in front of a full building yet. So game five, I think the crowd's going to have a have a role to play. Yeah, we want to get there. We want to get to 17,400, which is 95% capacity. But in order to do that, you got to beat the Vegas Golden Knights two out of the next three games or two of the next two to... Freaking play the Montreal Canadiens, man. Like, if you win the next two games against Vegas, you're going to win the next four after that and go to the Stanley Cup final. Like, the road is right there for you. Beat Vegas two of three, and you're going to play for the Stanley Cup in 2021. And and I very much am confident with in saying that. Last I checked, the Avs are still the Stanley Cup favorite. So, um, you know, it might be a good time to hop on that, especially if you're shopping at Walmart and need to raise your funds up a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why you got to use DraftKings Sportsbook. Guys, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the actions. My friends, my family have all been loving DraftKings Sportsbook as well, and I know you will too. Listen to this great offer. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. You can bet on the Nuggets. Any basketball team even that is still in contention, bet $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, and so much more all week long. So DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit or withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on basketball team of your choice to win the next game. And if they win, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code MHS for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wager paid out in site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Here's my betting story for uh, game four, Arif, and that you could just feel it coming, right? Like you said, when Brandon Saad had that first goal, and to start the game, I put a little bit of money down on the Avs minus one and a half, so they had to win by two because there was a chance and the odds were really nice on it, right? A ballsy play. I, I I agree. I agree. Brandon Saad scores that first goal, and you're like, just like you were saying, okay, this might be exactly what they needed. First goal on the road, huge. Then once Vegas continues to dominate, continues to dominate, finally gets that tying goal, I had to hammer it. Vegas. Oh, good. You minus covered. one and yeah. a half. Oh, no, you covered. That's that's a good idea. You covered your play. Yeah. It felt bad doing it, but my DraftKings account doesn't feel so bad right now. So be like me. Go to DraftKings and win some money. That's all I got for you there. So don't don't be like JJ and vote for the Vegas Golden Knights to win. That's uh kind of against what we do around here, buddy. Well, you know, I'm just calling it like I see them. I can't argue with the X's and O's. And, uh, you know, as much as I want to see the Avalanche advance, y- you got to be realistic sometimes. And that's what I think, you know, 
I want to ask you here. We were talking about the top line kind of struggling. You haven't really seen much from any of the other lines except for Brandon Saad. So is there any part of you, is there any part of Jared Bednar that thinks maybe we switch up line combos a little bit for game five, or do you think that's too big of a desperation move? Not right away because, and and I I had to take a second to think about that because that is a good point, but not right away because you're coming back home. You have last change. You know, you can play good at home, but if one period ends and you're still not where you need to be, uh, then yeah. But right off the bat, if you switch up your lines, I mean, no, no, no. You can switch up your lines, but if you switch up your top line, uh, you're you're saying Vegas has defeated us because your top line is your baby. If you're the Boston Bruins and the New York Islanders, I mean, the Islanders are winning that series right now, three to two. But if the Islanders take a took a stranglehold of that series, you are not breaking up Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. That's not something you do. You will screw around with the other lines like Bednar did in bringing Saad up to Jost and uh, Nichushkin, which I liked, and it ended up leading to a goal. But as soon as you go out of your way to break up that top line, you're saying we lost. And the reality is you're Jared Bednar. Dude, like this, this is a doom and gloom podcast. The pressure is on. The pressure is on the avalanche. But if you look at the numbers, if somebody hadn't watched a minute of this series and they pulled up the numbers, the avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights are tied two to two. The home team has won all four games. The Avalanche have two more home games. The Vegas Golden Knights have one more home games. The Avalanche have scored two goals more than the Golden Knights in this series. Who's going to win? Who has the upper hand? It's the Avalanche. But the pressure is on because the Avalanche have been playing the way that they have the last two games. But if you're Jared Bednar, knowing all of those things in the grand scheme of things, you take a step back and you look at all those numbers, you haven't lost this series. And breaking up that top line in the beginning of game five is the kind of desperation move of a coach that's unraveling. You have to have the confidence to say, I have last change. I'm back at home at Ball Arena with my fans, my crowd, my energy. I need to feed off this. I mean, we know how Coach Bednar loves to reward good play, right? I mean, that's why we saw a lot of Kiefer Shearwood. We saw even a lot of uh, Soderberg. Love Kiefer. Yeah, he's been playing great. He's been playing with 110% effort. But you're seeing Brandon Saad Kind of like I said, being the only guy producing, why why not just give him a shot with that top line, even for a couple shifts, see how he does. You know where I would put him, and we'll find out if they do this during the morning skate. I would put him on the bumper spot in place of Don Scoy on the top power play unit. Get a nice greasy goal. Let him play the Kadri spot that Kadri used to play. Kadri plays a far more greasy role on that top PP unit than Donskoy does. Donskoy is more finesse. But Donskoy's finesse when he's scoring at the pace he was scoring at in March and April. Donskoy that's not scoring at the pace he was scoring in March and April is no longer necessary on that top PP unit. Put Saad in there. Let him score the greasy goals. So along with, you know, hypothetically jumbling up the uh, forward lines, I think Patrick Nemeth is getting on the last nerve of a lot of Avs fans, and especially after that first goal. And I think a, a couple more goals you can kind of di- directly point at mistakes that Patrick Nemeth made. I know we've been hearing Bowen Byram's name yeah. a lot. Do you consider making a switch there? I think so. That that I will I will say is a good is a good choice to make. Uh, Jared Bednar said today that Bowen Byram, we're discussing a lot of things and Bowen Byram is one of them. And then he went on to say, Byram hasn't played a lot of hockey in the last year and a half. And he especially hasn't played a lot of hockey recently. So throwing him into a series like this is going to be kind of hard. But at the same time, this is a number four overall draft pick who's going to have a bright future ahead of him, who captained Team Canada at the World Juniors. Like you should be ready to go if you're Bo Byram. And um, I think they're going to do it. Maybe they play 7D. 
well, actually, no, I doubt that. Kiefer Sherwood and uh, Carl Soderberg have been pretty good, but I think they're going to go to Bo. I think so. Yeah, it wouldn't be surprising to me because, you know, the second you see Nemeth catch that puck when it was still one nothing, and suddenly he's got a little bit of pressure, you, uh, I said, yeah. oh, no. And it was very, exactly it was very reminiscent of the old avalanche that just always were trailing and always trying to fight back. And it's just, they're not that team anymore. And Nemeth has come back and is still kind of playing that kind of game. And you're like, dude, we've moved on from this. Join us up here. Join us up here as the president's trophy winners. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing I wanted to get to, obviously the play of Philip Grubauer, he's been the heart and soul of what the avalanche have done so far. But part of me is a little bit worried that he looked pretty exhausted there in game four, almost like he, he's kind of reached his limit and he, uh, you know, he's done all he can do. I've carried you as far as I can carry you. I need, I need you guys here more. So I, do you, do you want to talk me off that ledge too? Or do you kind of agree that Philip Grubauer might be at the end of his wick? Uh, Philip Grubauer is at the end of his wick. If he's going to keep facing 40 shots a game. Yes. But that, that nice little kicker I added to the end of the sentence is the big one. If he's going to keep facing at least 40 shots a game. And I said this yesterday in my post-game video, which, you know, did not have you in it. And those, those are hard to do without you now, man. I'm just sitting here staring at a screen. I did it, I did it in a garage, my buddy Justin's garage. And I'm just like, why am I talking into a, into a phone without somebody beside me to talk to? It was really weird, but like... They're only half as good looking to. Uh, yeah, right? Like 60% is good looking, <laughs> I know. But uh, the crazy part is like, Marc-Andre Fleury hasn't looked good. No, he's looked shaky. The rebounds have been everywhere. Dude, in, in game four, in game four, he's fighting the puck. He's given up rebounds and everything. If the Avalanche come out in ball arena and play the ball arena game they could play and outshoot the Golden Knights like 33 to 27, they could put four goals on him. And in 27 shots, Grubauer ain't letting in four. That means the Avalanche will let in three or less. That means they'll win. Like he just needs to face shots in order for them to score. Surprise. Like that's the way hockey's played, is it not? They had 18 shots and they had one goal in the last game. They had 20 shots the game before and they had two. They had three goals on 38 shots. Pepper the dude with shots. He will let in goals. That's all it's going to take right now. Yeah, and be there for the rebounds too. Yeah. I mean, the, Vegas did a pretty good job of keeping it safe, but I also don't think uh, the Avalanche did a great job of being aggressive when it came to the rebounds. I mean, that's where you miss Nazem Kadri, right? Yep. That's where you need Brandon Saad to play his game. And that's where you miss Gabe Landeskog too. And that's why I'm scratching my head. Yeah, Landeskog has looked a little bit off, off too. And I mean, a lot of guys have. Let's face it, Makar hasn't looked mm -hmm. too good. Gerard hasn't looked. It's the top guys that have kind of not looked good. Val Nichushkin, I love what Bednar said on the off day after game three. So what was that, Saturday? He said, um, you know, looking back at my comments yesterday, yeah, you know, he, you know, we had a team meeting. We did this, we did that. The only two guys that I thought played well in game three were Philip Grubauer and Valerie Nichushkin. And he came out in game four and he had a good game again too. Tyson Joseph's been okay-ish. Brandon Saad's been doing his thing. It's the top guys that have been struggling. And those are the guys that ball arena needs to go crazy for tomorrow because the pressure is on and the avalanche are feeling it. But they can relieve that pressure if in 24 hours from now they're getting ready to wrap up a game five victory at home. Yeah, it's just that this is what we thought the depth was here to do, right? When the top line's struggling and the top line can't get it done, that's when you need a guy like Burakovsky, Donskoy, Kadri, Saad. And we're not seeing all of those guys contribute. Yeah. That's the challenge. Yeah, well, I mean, Saad is, but the other guys, I mean, Saad, mm -hmm. that damn guy, he took an entire one-game absence from scoring. 
How dare he, right? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's got goals in six of his last seven games. Uh, Miko Rantanen's point streak obviously came to an end. That 17-game playoff point streak ended in game four. But yeah, man, it, I sound, I'm, we're, we're both sounding like a broken record at this point. You're at home. You have your fans. You got to run with this. So I guess my final question for you, of course, we're coming to you short here. Um, worst case scenario, they do lose this series. Who do you point the finger at? And what, if any, changes, drastic changes need to be made? And 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 Joe Sackick might give you the same reaction. Uh, did you focus too much on the kids? Did you give too much of a role to the younger players? Um, do you have to change up the wingers in your middle six and get a couple more Brandon Sods and a couple less finesse Burakovskis and Donskoys and Nachushkins? Do you got to balance that out more? Uh, do you need your second line center to actually be your second line center all season and then not get suspended in the playoffs after having a poor season? Uh, that's a tough one, man. Do you need Eric Johnson? Maybe you need Eric Johnson. Maybe Grubauer needs help. Maybe Grubauer shouldn't have played a million games in the regular season and, you know, should have only played half a million and Francis was healthy and your backup wasn't Miska and now Dubnik and Johansson. That's a tough one. We'll bark up that tree when we, when we need to, and we don't need to right now. It's the pressure's on, but it's two, two. Yeah. May, uh, the only thing I can add to all those things you said is, you know, maybe coach could have a plan B when plan A isn't going right. You know, I know they worked on this same structure and same system all year and it worked for them, but yeah, you got to be able to, uh, adapt and deviate a little bit from your plan and not just keep hammering the same thing over and over and as it doesn't work. Yeah. So hopefully we see some adjustments here for game five. Again, Colorado Avalanche fans bring the noise. I know they always do, but this one's extra special, right? This is going to be a big one. I'm already excited for it. The game is 22 hours until puck drop. And and yes, I mean 22 hours. It's 9.14 right now. The puck, the puck ain't dropping at 7 o'clock. It's dropping at like 7.16 because... NHL playoffs suck and they don't know how to do things on time. <laughs> so yes, we are 22 hours away from puck drop for puck drop for game five. It's going to be a big one. Bring the noise, bring the heat. You know, Mosier is going to be there pumping up the crowd and it's, it's going to be a fun, fun, fun game. I'm super excited for it. Yeah. It's got to be a big first period too. It's got to start right out of the gate. And if they can somehow pop off three in the first period and just coast. That's the, that's the style of play that the Avalanche work best with, right? Those early big leads that they can just eventually carry home. That's what it's going to have to be. It's got to be the Avalanche hockey we've seen all year, 2021 Avalanche hockey. Yeah, they're going to have to do it. We were going to do a three stars too, and Patrick suggested we have like Jonathan March so as a first star or something. We vetoed that. We're cutting it. We're not doing those today. <laughs> Yep, that's, that's why we got him, right? He's uh, here to make sure that we're putting out a good product. So no three stars, as especially because no Avalanche deserve a thir three star right now. Um, so let's just see what happens. Wait with bated breath and uh, fingers crossed. And, uh, yeah, let's just try to be positive about it. It's all we can really do, right? That is correct. I'm excited to see what happens and we'll go from there after game five. All right, all right. Well, I guess uh, thanks for hanging out with us on this quick little podcast here right before game five. Hopefully you're uh, nice and pumped for the game and feel a little bit more informed and ready. And uh, I'm sorry to bring everybody down and be the guy with the glass half empty, but I'm just seeing. I'm just seeing what I'm seeing, you know. Um, so, yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. If you made it this far in the podcast, probably wasn't too bad, but bless your heart anyway. Hockey's for everyone. And we out you.